Living Through the Heart. A big hello to all you open-hearted people out there and welcome, welcome to the Higher Purpose Healing Podcast. Today, we discuss with a group of meditators and Dr. Lisa here in New Orleans how to live life with an open heart. I ask that you keep an open mind as we dive into this process because most all of us have had our hearts broken or at the very least hurt before many times. No one is perfect, especially not me, Matthew, and Sarah, your host, and so aren't those who have hurt us in our past. Disclaimer, people are sharing their real experiences in this podcast, which can include adult language and graphic material at times. All the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not establish a doctor-patient or therapist-client relationship which is only formed when you sign an agreement in person. For any medical questions, consult your primary care physician. Let's begin. (laughs) Welcome to Living Within the Heart. Yes, so let's go around and introduce ourselves and why you're here today, and then we can begin. Elaine, here just to slow my mind down. Kasha. And I'm here to be amongst my kind of people and my tribe. I'm Deborah, and I'm here to open my heart. I'm Lindsay, and I'm here because it just felt right to be here this morning. I'm Sadie, and I'm here to learn. I'm Molly. I've never been to a meditation class, and I desperately need it. I'm Guy, and I'm here because of fear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Poe, and I'm here to relax and calm my mind. I'm Marcia, and I'm also here to learn and and relax. And I'm Matthew, and I'm here with Dr. Lisa, and we're here to learn with everybody else and just share a little bit of information that we might have picked up along the way. So let's talk about the heart. Where does the heart reside? In your chest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the heart resides in your chest, but does it only reside in the chest? No, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You could say that the heart resides in every person you've met where you've influenced them in a positive way. So your heart travels well before you when you go places to see people and to do things. And there is either an awareness of that expanded heart or there is a protection from a closed heart. We will acknowledge that there sadly are atrocities that have been done to people around the globe that will cause their heart to close and protect. Things that should have never happened things that hopefully with the evolution of man will change. When you meet somebody that is in that state without awareness of why it's easy to judge or to avoid. However, in reality, those people more than anyone else need your open heart. The communication of the heart is everything. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of talk 
and has been in the healing world about positive thoughts, positive sayings, talking in the mirror, repeating things to get your brain to take on a new program. The one component of that that's vital is that it has to travel through the heart and it has to be said from the heart for it to have an impact or to take a pattern in the physical body that will change your reactions or in the mental world that will cause you to think differently. And so communicating to other people, if you do so through the heart, it doesn't have to be with words out loud. All females across the planet live through their heart and feel with their heart. They know without knowing. They hear without hearing. They see without seeing. That's God's gift. As the earth is the life giver, so are the females. We all got here because of you. So your hearts are always being used. The energy of your heart, when it is given to everyone, often becomes depleted. If it's not regenerated through the love and care of another male or through your ability to connect to the earth in certain ways so that you can regenerate yourself. So I want everybody to take a minute, close your eyes, and I want you to check in with your heart and just feel inside your body and notice if your heart is open or if it's closed. Whatever the state of your heart, allow yourself to relax into it without judging it. to soften notice the connection between your heart and your mind If your heart is open, notice how expanded it is. If your heart is guarded or closed, notice how that feels in your throat.
if all things are built upon the earth. And the Father can climb the mountain because the earth has provided it to be so. Then the voice of the Father and its energy alike will travel from the top of your crown down. And then the earth, the mother's energy will travel up. So the voice of the Father, if the tone and message is appealing and filled with love, will reach your heart. And if it is not, you may choose to close. And often, if the words you receive from a male are not kind, you'll notice your throat close when you don't speak up about it. And so I ask you today to listen to the words of the people that come from your lineage, the kind words, the words of love, the ones that look after you all the time, the ones that you can feel and not see, or perhaps see, but now hear. And let those words descend upon your ears, the words that are kind and filled with love and grace, so that that energy could enter your system and open you up from your crown, from your third eye, from your throat, and into your heart, so your heart can be soft and filled with love. Perhaps it's just the energy alone that you will allow, and that's enough to feel that expansion. Take a deep inhale and feel the expansion. Notice how this feels. Perhaps this is a great-great-grandfather of yours or one of your distant uncles. Perhaps it's your brother. Perhaps it's your father. Someone in your lineage has the ability to reach you, who has your best interest in mind, whereas sometimes within the context of all families, because we have not individually resolved, that message may not be heard. But you can allow yourself to hear it now. If you feel triggered by anything, soften your heart.
inside that beautiful heart of yours is a child that has something to say. Or just wants the expansion so that he or she can play. That child just wants to be loved. That child wants to understand its power, the power of freedom, just to relax. The freedom to express itself without anything other than an open ear. The child is proud and wants mom and dad to see. However simple the action, the child wants permission to be. Feel that in your heart. see living from the heart and not the intellect is what you see when you see a child playing. to invite each of you to call forward your child, your inner child, you as a child. Ask this child to be with you and to communicate with you because your true teacher, each person's internal teacher is that child. Children don't turn off what they can see and hear from other worlds, of which we know only 5% more or less. And you once too had that ability. They can feel everything just like a woman can. And even sometimes a woman may forget in the throes of stress. But the child does not. I want you to feel the energy of that child. Let it blast through your entire being. Let it bring back your innocence. Let it heal 
your mind and body. Feel the vibration of that child throughout your being. This is your energy. The energy that's starting to move again. Your heart is a door to the world. It can also be a window. And when you look through the window of your heart, you don't see the anger and the frustration before you. You actually see the person struggling, struggling with something internal to them that has nothing to do with you. Everybody has a nuclear family, mother, father, and siblings, perhaps. And it isn't ironic that we're all here with some form of that, even if you were adopted. And so isn't it so that there are many, many fathers and mothers walking the earth around you? When your heart is not able to receive all of the benefits of any given mother or father, all is not lost. In fact, there are far more mothers and fathers out there than there is just in your home, which means we all have a grand opportunity to receive those things, those loves, those words, those attentions, those guidances and directions. between us all. You can feel the movement and current of energy through all of our hearts. You can feel the opening and the relaxation. If you allow yourself, you can actually feel the healing happening in your heart now. 
The mother's touch and soft tone will always soften the heart. Feel the connection between the heart and the mind. And notice any difference. If they are not separate in their own right. Imagine that your brain opens wide like a flower so that the father can smell the sweetness of what the mother has provided. And this calms him in all of his nerves and being into a state of joy and relaxation, knowing that his children are free to experience the riddle of life. as the mother has provided it. Summarized in one word. Love. The love of oneself is the open expansion of the heart with no words so that all his or her brothers and sisters can relax and receive what they have not yet, perhaps, and will always need to feel whole. And most importantly, remember who they are. See the fire in your heart. This is the fire that you've made like you were to make a campfire outside. How many logs you choose to put on the fire when it's necessary will determine how well that your heart remains. And so the question is, 
how to put more wood on the fire in your life. How to remain expanded no matter what the chaos around you is. Is not optimism a form of faith? In the face of someone else's complaints or trials, should you put a log on your own fire through a kind word, not enlighten them from inside of you? Should the person persist in their frustrations and your fire remain burning bright, would it not be optimistic of you to announce that you're going to go do something that inspiringly through their subconscious will put wood on their fire too? not here to change each other. We're just here to open ourselves. And as you open, the permission through many forms of communication and your own actions and living out loud automatically, directly and indirectly, helps that person in their own time to change from the inside through your good example. You see, the leader of self will inevitably walk in the dark many days and nights until understanding that the fire must be lit all the time. And when the fire is gone through life's trials and tribulations, this person can imagine the fire even if they cannot see it. Just as a blind man cannot see the sun, he knows it's there because he can feel it. And so goes the faith of good attitude and an open heart. My religion is love, no matter what the name. For love is embedded in all religions and distilled down to their essence, all the same. My government is kindness, for it springs forth from love. And it gives to the people that which they need, that from inside feeds them. 
relax your heart yet again. We will all not have the same opinions. We will not all share the same beliefs. And we will all not see the same truths. But we can all put fire inside our heart. And we can see each other from that place. And if we suspend all else, we can close our eyes and still feel the truth. And the truth is nobody wants to be hurt. And everyone's scared to be vulnerable. But in the moment one person gives you the gift to accept your vulnerability and hold it, giving you space, this allows you to remember you and all of your internal grace. Feel the energy running through your body and hands. Feel the energy running in your heart. With your right hand, hold your pinky. And see if you can feel a connection driving up into your heart through your arm. feel it pulsing well, grab the other pinky. Hold it as long as you need and notice the energy even going into your ear. because the heart has ears and the ears go direct to the heart and the words that we use matter just as we are matter those thoughts are energetic vibrations that as a form of movement enter and matter us be clear, you can jest and joke and say things, and your heart 
can send a message of more depth. But the two of you must know each other well and think it through and feel it most. Take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. And this time inhale through the heart and exhale through the heart. And one last time. And let's open our eyes. I'm going to invite you to stretch. for you. was wrapped in a veil. It was kind of see-through. I could see it, but I couldn't touch it. And then when you started talking about the inner child at all, just, I'm a mess. Um, I don't want to do that again. Um, my inner child, and then you said, you know, nurture it or give it love. Um, I saw myself as a little girl in the closet screaming and crying into a pillow because my mom was extremely abusive. Um, my stepdad too, my mom tried to abort me. So she, throughout my childhood, made sure that I knew I was not wanted, that I didn't deserve love. Um, I wasn't gonna get it. I had to develop coping mechanisms um, just to deal with all the pain. 
and I don't want to visit that part of me again. I understand how she feels because uh, not everybody has come from this peachy keen family that America tells you you're supposed to have. And it's a struggle to come to terms with that. You're not, a, you didn't have that. And you try to put it in perspective. And that's the one area you mentioned that is so difficult and sensitive to deal with because not everyone has had that Americana thing that they're supposed to have. So we develop and work on ourselves, but that's the hardest part to let go of because it's so... You can't really speak about it to to the world because everybody's wanting a peachy keen experience and not a, some of us haven't had that. So that is like the sore spot that in order to move on in life, you have to, as painful as it is, love yourself through it. And I'm not there yet, but I appreciate that we worked on it because it's difficult. So I don't know if I'm talking too much. No, actually what you're saying is <coughs> very powerful and true. And I think across the entire globe, outside of the United States, there's a different way of living and the realities are far different than here. Mm -hmm. And we have been sold a bill of goods in a culture that in reality has a lot of things wrong with it. And every family that I know, including my own, has problems. And some are worse than others. And for as much silver lining and as much good things that come from these homes, there are still problems. Mm -hmm. And these kids today probably face more problems than we faced, and we faced a lot because our parents were very angry and hidden inside due to circumstance of war and depression and otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this topic is one that the whole world needs liberty with and that it's okay to talk about what's not right and it isn't all about rainbows and butterflies. Right. And part of the healing is, and part of the stepping through shame is communicating transparently what happened because that's how it gets transcended. And sometimes that pain is so deep and so much that that transcendence needs a lot of transcendence and a lot of repetition if need be. In that space of holding the heart open for those who need it when they allow themselves to be vulnerable, that internal grace can be experienced in increments or in mass amounts, depending on where that person is. And so we're never seeing somebody in their frustrations or their angers or otherwise, or in their addictions or any of the things that they're challenged with as surface, if you really understand that all people suffer. And so compassion is required. But I will caution you that sympathy is not, because sympathy is cousin to enabling. And enabling doesn't allow anybody to get better. And more to that point, by being sympathetic, all you're doing is disallowing them a process, 
and to your detriment, taking on all of that energy that belongs to them that wrecks your body internally. And then you have to go through and figure out well, what's mine and what's theirs when you don't even know what's yours to begin with. And so in reality, I have this dream, and the dream is this, that all of these people in the world would allow themselves to feel, especially in the United States, so much so that they would just allow themselves to cry in public. And nobody would say a thing, except for they would walk with an open heart. So if you saw somebody crying, it would ignite likely in you that deep hurt that would cause you to do the same. And the reason why this is so important, and I tell men cry in the shower, because a woman doesn't want to see you weak on a natural level. However, it also gives them freedom too to know that they have that side. So that's a catch 22. Leaving that aside, if walking on the street or in the store, you saw somebody just burst out in tears, you know, somebody gets a phone call, my mom's got cancer. Oh, well, let me hold myself together till I get home because I can't feel that in public. That is bullshit, right? So if the person were able to feel it anytime, anywhere, how they needed to, then other people could feel. And this is a society of don't feel. We can put the glitz and glamour on and have our own YouTube channel and reality show that's not reality at all. And we can all pretend, which this pinky represents family and pretense. And there's more pretense than there is anything else in this society. And you know, you might behind closed doors get real with each other, but you're still guarded because you've been cultured to be guarded. And so in this dream of everybody crying, people have been walking around with these shirts now for a while that says free hugs and all this sort of thing. You know, that's people need that. They don't need it in a creepy way. They need it in a real way. And so if somebody's crying out there, Maybe everybody in the store just stands there and honors them for a second with their arms open. And they can choose who represents more the person that they're crying about that they can go get a hug from. Now here's the rules on hugs. This is a big one for the world out there and everybody in here. This is the universal rule about hugs. If somebody comes to you to get a hug and you're willing to do it, you don't let go until the person who initiated the hug lets go. Because they're the one that needed it, not you. Does that make sense? So if you're holding space for somebody and you're going to hold them literally, you need to hold them until their whole nervous system has settled, until their heart has found calibration through the tuning fork of your two beings in order for it to calm. Because they didn't come to you for a hug because you're not safe or because your heart wasn't tuned to a higher frequency. They came to you because they feel it and need it and know it. And that's the rule on universal hugs. And should all of us get enough of those from the right people? There's a lot of healing in that. And if you didn't have to guard yourself, your energy would flow. You know how much energy restriction happens from not allowing yourself to express? It's insane. So macho men can't cry, right? <coughs> We've been taught that since forever. But we do. Why do we do it? Because it's a human condition. We're just conditioned not to do it in front of humans. 
And so you hit on probably one of the most powerful topics could happen to be. So thank you for coming today from the North Shore, my dear. <laughs> Kasha, I know well and know her story, and it is a lot. And she represents, sadly, a lot of women who also have had their version of that that should never happen. And I'm sorry that that occurred for you. But I'm glad that you have the chance and the bravery to find the gifts and the power that you can receive from rising above the low-grade mentality of an unwakened society that affected you. And so you're right, it is hard to go to this space, which is why it's so profound. I didn't know it was there. So like that. Whew, I can't follow that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so mine was, I mean, my heart is closed, um, probably from traveling a lot, but I also, um, I guess, um, got out of a relationship and got hurt. So it's, yeah, it's closed. But um, I also, oh, thank you. I found um, the last time we were meditating, I was talking about how anger was there and it wouldn't let me meditate anymore and I just kind of shut down. And um, right at the beginning, you talked about um, kind of digging deep and finding out where it was coming from. So at the beginning, that, that anger was there. It didn't even take long to find it. And um, so I dug deep and it's like right here, and it was like dark purple and black, which is like what it always is. And I like focused on that and that anger like turned into rage and something was trapped and it was trying to get out and it was like screaming. And it was really powerful because I guess it's, I've never tried to find that before. And like you said, like I didn't know it was there. So. I think it's definitely something to look into. I don't know where it comes from, but it's definitely there. So, um, yeah, that happened. Thank you for letting that happen. Yeah. You got to know it's there to heal, right? Yeah. And that just strengthens the point that most people bear it because we're supposed to have the white picket fence. Today, there is no fence, whether you got a fence or not. Yeah. And so the good, bad, and ugly is all going to come to pass. It's just a matter of time. So avoiding it <clears throat> isn't serving at all. And actually serving is the only thing to do. So yeah. thank you for serving you. Sure. Thanks for telling me to dig. <laughs> I got a lot of shovels, pickaxes, whatever you need. <laughs> we get heavy equipment if you want. Awesome. I got friends who got that too. <laughs> and Bear's got his tools. So. That's right. Good. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Let me make it easy. Let me get it. <laughs> <laughs> Pass Kleenex around. Yes. yes. My experience was good. 
when you told us to go back to your childhood, I was, I was back there. Right before I started imagining things. And then I made my, my life hard. But, and then I opened my heart. I was able to do the connection. But when she started talking, it was like everything shut down. Because if I can feel her, and I can feel her too. So that's my problem. I was okay with myself, but I can't feel everything, and it hurts me. And when it hurts me, I shut down. I don't want to feel it. So I'm going to take responsibility for that. So I'm going to take responsibility for that by saying that the only way this world's going to change so that the women don't feel the pains that happen because the male has not evolved, then I'm going to take responsibility by saying that the only way the world will change is if man changes, M-A-N changes, and the mentality and the protection and the love that's required for the females and the children of the earth. And where greed is buried, just like a pirate's treasure never to be found. And where reality is faced so that we can take responsibility so that your mind can be sound. Because for a man to yell at a woman or to even have thoughts that are unbecoming changes your entire chemistry and organs placement and sets off a chain reaction like the trees that are networked and talk all over this globe. Just like in this room, what happens to you happens to all your sisters. And so this is not light, even though we're trying to ignite it in the hearts of all. This is heavy, which is why you have a cycle every month to purge, just like the earth has its natural ways to clean. And when you're in a household that is at peace and taken care of, that cycle is smooth. And when it's not, it's painful. Is that not true? So this isn't just a microcosm problem with you or us. This is the whole thing. Which is why the water inside of us is the water on the planet. Does that make sense? The whole world is based on these bodies, mathematically. And the consciousness is all shared when you're open to it, which is why being awake is so key. So the responsibility that we have as males, and it's easy to joke about it, right? We actually have to joke about it sometimes because the burden is a lot to bear. But what else is there? <clears throat> In the face of reality, once you're awake and know it. So then talking to a bunch of unawake males, a bunch of Neanderthals, look, we as humans rose to the occasion and can trap all the animals and feed ourselves. Well, that's part of what's going on with a male in the mind of somebody who's awake versus not awake. And so I take responsibility for that. 
And I would tell you that perhaps if you were to consider your sister's pain and offer her a solution, instead of owning it, then you can both find some peace in that process. But I can't find the difference between owning it and finding a solution. It's like against you. Like, you don't have <laughs> So what I would say, um, to that, I think just sitting and, um, what Matthew said earlier, holding space for somebody and knowing. So for me with Kasha, and I've been friends with Kasha for a long time, and so I know um, I feel it too, and I just send her love. So like my heart, when she was talking, will open and just try to surround her so I visualize. So instead of like, I feel her hurt and I feel her pain, and the only way I know, the solution I know to help is to give her as much love that I can give her so that she can heal herself and heal that part of her heart. And so that's the way I feel in that, in that moment. That's my solution. If love were paint and we were all part of a large jigsaw puzzle that came blank, <coughs> as you offer your love, it affords her to make what it makes sense for her piece to look like to fit in within the dynamic of our entire image. Makes sense. Because instead of giving her my love when she was talking, I was taking the bit. So. That's right. And a lot of times you bring up another valid point about what most people do. So we take other people's pain because it's easier to take their pain than to deal with our own. So it's a cover up, mm -hmm. right? And so that's something for you to look at too. So you have an opportunity to realize that maybe your pain is so deep that you're not willing to let yourself down the rope of that well to find whatever water might be there or not be there. And then you have to make your own amends with that. I don't know. I'm trying to dig, but I could not find. So I, I can't explain. If, if there is a pain, even my, uh, I have a therapy, therapist. Even her, it's just like, where is it come from? Like, I don't know. I can't go deeper. And when I go, I don't find anything. When we figure out, okay, I had a problem with my mom too, but half of my, half, 100% of the problems that I have with my mom, I created it. So I thought she did not like me because I have a, 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 a baby sister. She was born, I was almost seven. So I thought, okay, when my baby sister came in, I was like, okay, now I don't belong. And I created it. So I, I already figured that out. And I don't know if I have anything deeper, but I'll keep doing it. So you did bring up the imagination earlier and I wanted to say something about this because the imagination can be both a very positive thing but can also be a very dangerous thing because we can make things up that didn't happen which is why when you wake up you don't know if your dream was something that really happened or something that you dreamt about. But technically in your mind it's the same thing. And not to confuse things but we don't just live in this realm. Like there's a lot of other things going on when we sleep and otherwise. So for you, your imagination can be a runaway train with one event that makes 20 events that weren't even there. 
So you're right about yeah, that. Exactly. We do have a solution for you, but we talk afterwards. We can't talk on the podcast like this. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> My turn? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'll just start as the vision of, of a child and I do that a lot. I kind of look back at her um, and it goes back and forth from um, a beach with lots of sun and then maybe a mountain with lots of sun to warm me up a little bit because the people around me that I was supposed to or think there was love um, pretty much sucked all the energy out of me because and because I know that because I ended up extremely ill and I still am and there's no diagnosis and there's but let's, as Matthew was talking, I just brought myself back to either the beach or the playground or the place where you wear Buster Browns and um, little bobby socks with the tiny little flowers that go around <laughs> and what dresses sometimes you had to wear you don't want to wear. Um, and I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm still looking at that little girl who was, and then after a certain episode wasn't, and you have to come to terms with, I couldn't, I couldn't run fast enough. And when Matthew was speaking, he said um, a lot of things about running and when you can't get away from the whatever it is that's going to define you, but you won't let it define you and you're trying so hard to find the people and the, the things in your life that will help you not make that a definition of who you are, who you're going to be, and you don't find it, it's, um, and it's like falling into that well, and there's no water in there, there's oil, and you've got to get yourself up out of there, and, um, I'm trying. Thank you, Molly. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about um, my son Cook has been away for a year and he's home and I'm just so happy that he's home and I was thinking about uh, what it was like when he was a child and being with him. And then I was thinking about um, trying to come up with a, a way to keep him home. 
instead of going away again, back on the, uh, this boat that he's working on. Um, then I was thinking about my Aunt Joy, who's my guardian angel, and I was thinking about her as a kid. She died very, very young. It's so, so sad, but uh, I just know she's with me. And then um, I was thinking about... Um, I hope that uh, Drew Brees throws for 400 yards. <laughs> 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 that ever not on your neck this <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about Drew Brees. <laughs> Hopefully a better one than last week. But, but look, I'm, I, I'm just, I thought a lot about my oldest son, Cook, and um, I was thinking about childhood stuff, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> See, I told you, it's necessary, you know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks, man. I almost feel guilty speaking about how I felt because I've never felt pain like that. And I, I was thinking about when you're talking about men in the mail, all the men in my life and how my dad was the best and showed me love, too much love. It was, I never knew what it felt like not to feel love. And then I was thinking about the other men in my life, how thankfully I've created that with them. Like, they know better than to say one harsh word to me. <laughs> <laughs> my sons are very respectful. He is most of the time. And, um, <laughs> and so I was grateful that I've learned from my parents, and my mother was amazing too. Well, she still is. She's alive. Um, so I just feel... When, we talk about the heart. I think of myself like um, Iron Man and like, you know, that circle in his chest. And I feel that just radiates out and it was just kind of engulfed my family and the men in my life who have shown my daughter love and respect. And I'm just grateful that no one in my family has ever felt pain. So it made me feel guilty speaking about that. I know. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up there, Paul, because I think it was my good friend Randy out in Las Vegas that turned me on to this book. This book is amazing. Okay. So this is called The New Dictionary of Thoughts. And of course, it's got fallen apart and it's got no cover because it's old and I've used it for a long time. However, this particular book uh, has all of these words that have definitions that have been given from poets from history, right? So I'm going to read one of these. I'm going to turn the light on now so that we can see. And I'm going to give you one to read so that everybody can just hear this because I think it's pretty crucial. So Shakespeare says that the mind of guilt is full of scorpions. So why don't you have a read there on one of those? I'm supposed to be able to see this? <laughs> Wait, just... Which one do I read? Whatever one you see. Wow, wait a second. Look what he opened to. Yeah. I'll read that. No, it's really weird. <laughs> Go ahead then. You open to something, I guess it says guilt and gymnastics. Uh-huh. Okay, the only pain I've ever had in my life. Did you know that? That's from gymnastics. Did I tell you that? So why don't you read one definition of guilt and one definition of gymnastics? That's so weird. You're freaking me out. Okay. These glasses are good. He who is conscious of secret and dark designs 
which if known would blast him and perpetually shrinking and dodging from public observation and is afraid of all around and much more of all above him. Sounds like a politician. Wait, I don't even know what that means. Who's yeah, conscious? I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it that Wait, He was conscious of secret and dark designs. Okay, and it's a secret, the thing with the gymnastics thing. Okay, who wrote that? Who, who that was that quote from? W. Wirt. Okay. Are we supposed to know who that is? That's crazy. So would you like to read one of the gymnastics? Why are these two on the same page? <coughs> because you're here. That's so weird. And somebody made the alphabet. <laughs> Who made the alphabet? I don't know. Okay. We'll look, we'll Google Socrates. it later. If Google will tell us the truth. Maybe Socrates. <laughs> Socrates? Who knows? Maybe. I think it's some or Samaria. Yeah, you would imagine. <laughs> Okay, the See, Americans don't know everything, everybody. Mm -hmm. Let's read the gymnastics. The exercise of all the muscles of the body in their due proportion is one great secret of health and comfort as well as of strength and the full development of many vigor. W. Hall. Do you care to share what the secret is with your gymnastics? or would you? I prefer? don't get, understand why guilt and gymnastics is on the same page. I was sexually abused by my gymnastics coach. No. When I was 14. I'm 14 till about 8, 20. Remember to send your love to her. But I've come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. But it's a secret. Like, I've never told my parents. And I, the guilt, I don't have, I don't think I have guilt about it. I'm pretty, like, I see things kind of for what they are. But... I've used it as a tool to help my daughter and teach her, and that's just, you just blew my mind that this is on the same page, and you opened up to it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Puff, for sharing. Thank you, Thank you. your father, though. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's always, well, not always, but he's been here a few times during the meditation. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when I first started the exercise, when you did it, I felt anger, like my heart was closed, but as it progressed, it opened. And, um, you know, I just want to have to say that we all have abandonment and abuse issues that I've learned this throughout my life, probably because of the job that I did, child protection, and, um, I just think like it's a constant learning experience and I was blessed to be involved with that because I've learned so much and been working on myself and it's been a process and I have a lot more to go but you know, I'm just blessed to be here and share. Everybody who's anybody who's been around always comments on this young lady right here. Mm -hmm. That lady with the white hair, whenever she's here, I feel so calm. Mm -hmm. She's so sweet. Thank you. So I consider Marsha one of my elders. Mm -hmm. You know, in the Indian Council, they always had the Council of Elders. And then the young bucks would go and have that 
conversation to make sure that they were headed in the right direction. And she just carries that kind of energy and has a history of helping a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I appreciate you. Okay. Appreciate mm-hmm. all of you. Okay. Wait, can I ask you a question? And this is a stupid question. There's no stupid <laughs> questions. What does it feel? I don't know what it, a closed heart feels like. Would anybody like, like to help her with that? I don't know what that? that feels like. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to let anybody in. You, in my case, I will help anybody just to avoid dealing with my own pain. And today, I went in deep, and I didn't even know that was in there. So, for to everybody else, I appear loving, kind, because I will help. I'm an empath. So, like you, I feel everything. I was going to ask if you were an empath. She is an empath. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But as far as letting somebody in, I also got out of a relationship recently, and that one destroyed me completely. Yeah. Because that one, I gave it my all. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time in my life that I've given a man all of me. Mm-hmm. And it got smashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still dealing with that. And then, you know, everybody's always telling me, oh, I love your inner child. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, I don't want to think about my childhood. But today, I don't know what happened. I went in, and I saw myself sitting in the closet, hugging a pillow and screaming into the pillow, because that's the only way I knew how to cope, to hide from my mother. Because if she heard me crying, she'd come in and beat me. (laughs) So it's very hard for me to let anybody in. That's a closed heart. I will not let anybody get close because I don't want to get hurt again. I've got so much pain. I will not let anybody in. And I know that's not a good thing. And that's just something I've really got to work on. <clears throat> now, when you said that about the hugs, there's a point in my life and I could still revert back there. I'm not on strong legs yet. But where if someone would hug me and they kind of, and I got the feeling like I didn't trust them, I would be as rigid as a steel pole. Mm-hmm. Don't hug me. That's unacceptable. Well, that's, that's where as you, the person that needs the hug should choose the hugger, but the hugger obviously has to be open to it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are but the I conditions mean, you should of, be open to it though, uh, right? No, because then like if anybody wanted to hug you, you know, and somebody didn't have the right intentions in their mind, okay. you're not going to be down with that. I mean, right. look, you know when somebody touches you, what's in their mind the second they touch you, which is why when people touch you and you get creeped out, you're like, forget about it, stay away. That's what's going on, you know? Okay. And so to control the mind is everything. The mind controls the body. Mind control is the problem with the masses. It's about not wanting you to mind your own mind. Just like you mine for gold and coal and all the rest of it. Well, the reality is, is that all of these industries are analogies for your individual lives and how you handle yourself. If you think about it, principles rule and everything can be overlaid. Now, you can always tell a cheap hug. That's that's it. And then I'll... People come hug you, but they just don't care. See, but women, women have a different thing. Men hug you, and it's like to feel your boobs. And like then... Look, and then what I was... Not me, sister. Then, then what I was thinking was, you know, when you said, um, you know, don't let go. Don't be... 
what if the other person thought the same way? How long does that hug last? <laughs> so I'll tell you, I was uh, at a prayer camp in Hawaii, and there was somebody there that was new who came like in the last two days, right? So we're all over there, we're making medicine and this sort of thing, and it's a very loving community. Everybody has the same mindset. We're you know very evolved, wanting more out of life, wanting everyone to feel like they belong, etc. And um, after one of the ceremonies the next day, um, this girl, when I was leaving, came to give me a hug. And it was what you just described. And the first time I felt a hug like this was from my grandfather. And it was in the piano room, uh, the closets where all the coats were. There was this little itty bitty piano in there. And I'd gone in there, I'd lied about something. And I went in there and I said to him, and I said, Grandpa, he goes, I lied, but I don't want to lie anymore. And I just freaking lost it and I started crying, right? Maybe because my parents beat me for lying. I don't know, whatever. But, <laughs> so, but I did that. And so what he did was he just hugged me. And he didn't say anything. And it lasted for eternity. And it was the first time I experienced unconditional love like that. So when this girl hugged me, we were outside and we were cleaning the leaves and all this kind of thing. And, you know, the guy that she ended up marrying, you know what I mean, was there. And, uh, you know, people were talking about songs and they have you know, very traditional songs you sing and all this sort of thing. And then somebody came and they were singing a song that wasn't necessarily traditional, but it was very beautiful. It was very positive. Right. And so somebody had said something to him. And so he shut it down. And so I said, you know, the song that is sung from the heart and shares the love is the song that belongs here. And then everybody calmed down. So I think that affected her. And so when she hugged me before I left, it was this what seemed like eternal hug. And it felt really good. And like, there was nothing sexual about it at all. As a matter of fact, my mind was blown over the fact that this woman, and I could feel her heart, was genuinely hugging me from a place of like, I had to think about it, you know? I was like, I had never had this from a woman like that before, not even from any girlfriend that I had had. And it's because I touched her heart. And so she touched my heart and she taught me something that I wasn't even taught until that time. And no, I wasn't thinking about her boobs, Bo. <laughs> okay, so in that moment though, that was something that was just epic as far as an experience. So yeah, it can happen, and I think that if, it, if you have the fortune for that to happen, you should allow it to persist until everything is at peace. Because the reality between couples is, like our chakras, you know, let's say she has something happen in her day and she's you know, maybe a little off base. If she and I were to hug and genuinely open and relax, my chakras, assuming they're in alignment, will bring hers into alignment and bring her back to a state of peace. And that is in essence what that hug does, you know? And so if we view it with a different mind, it has a lot of possibility. And I think it's, it's, it's epic. And so I think if you take anything away from that today, take away from make sure you're open to giving the hug to the person who's coming to get it and make sure you know if you're gonna do it, hold the space until they're ready to let go because you've done them a great service for their healing process. And if you choose to cry in public, don't expect anybody to hug you, but just know you're doing the world a favor. <laughs>
I have, I have one thing to say. Okay. So I didn't get to share my experience. I'm going to share it. <laughs> um, but it goes along with what Poe said about what does a closed heart feel like. So I, too, Poe had a pretty idyllic childhood. You know, parents were great. Um, and maybe it's because I'm so mental. You know, I intellectualize everything, which is probably why I became a doctor that I just don't feel. And I was trying to figure out did that happened when I was in medical school and through my training to really feel, you know, I know I have a good heart because I had people that I helped and were grateful. And I love a lot of people, but just to really feel. And so I've been really working on just feeling instead of going to like anger right away. Like, what, what, why do I feel this way or what do I feel? And so feeling my heart. And so what I worked on recently was I was, you know, when a patient comes in, and I'm not seeing patients right now, but just thinking about it, I immediately start thinking of the diagnosis, right? Like, okay, A, Y, Z, this, instead of just sitting with my open heart and feeling. And so it's not that my heart is necessarily closed, but I have to get things done. You know, like I have to help this person. And so I don't, I just sort of guard it a little bit so that I can use my mind and work because sometimes the heart and mind can work really well together but my mind overpowers my heart a lot of times and so I thought to myself well, how can I even have a closed heart and then it dawned on me I had a dream and so dreams are really good about sometimes they can interpret you interpret them don't you don't interpret them well or they can lead to imagination but sometimes they can give you clues and you know, when I was little, my brother was burned really bad. And when he was burned, my mom left and was in the hospital for a long time with him, and I felt neglected. Not that I was ever ne really neglected, but that was a form of neglect in my mind. So that feeling, whether she meant to do it or not, it was the feeling that I have, and that feeling stays in your subconscious, and that closed my heart a little bit. And I think just I chose a profession Doctoring is not about closing your heart, but the training closes your heart. You cannot go through that training without having somewhat of a closed heart. You won't make, or I wouldn't make it. Like, I, it was that, like, people are dying. You can't have your heart out there all the time. Um, and when I did, I got very sick. So um, that was my experience of having a closed heart. Um, when... If I know my heart's closed, it's because I'm in my mind. And if I turn off my mind and go to my heart into my body and just feel, I'm opening my heart. <clears throat> Thank you. So my, so my heart was closed when we began, which was surprising to me because a lot of times when I do these meditations, just expanding <coughs> my heart can, you know, you can get drunk off that stuff. You know what I mean? It's awesome, right? So... I said, I was like, good God, why? Why? So here's why. Now, might get in trouble if they hear this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So I'm going to come fry two turkeys for Thanksgiving, right? Originally, I was going to fry one, but now I got to fry two. And here's why. Your family are the people who show up. They're the people who change your life. They're the people you can rely on. The brother is the one who's there. Now we all have blood family. And technically, we're all family. If we allow ourselves to be, we are, okay? 
And so one of my teachers, he's like my, my friend, my teacher, my brother, my, my father, my grandfather. He's like my everything, this guy. He's amazing, right? And so he doesn't have blood family that live here. So I take him in for the holidays. And so my blood family doesn't necessarily share that extended family protocol. And that's fine because that's their decision and it's not right or wrong. However, now that's the Tai Chi I said that just fell off my desk in the other room. This you know, I'm talking about the gymnastics thing. All right. So, so what I'm going to do is I said I was going to bring the, the fried turkey over and, you know, she's like, great, then I don't have to cook. I was looking at this. Good. I'm happy to be of service. So I texted her separately and I just asked us, do you mind if I bring seafood or whatever the case? And she's like, no, sorry. And so <clears throat> I'm frying a second turkey and I'm going to drop the first turkey off for them to eat. I'm going to have with my immediate family now, with my extended family, the turkey at our house, and then they can have their fried turkey for the meal and we're going to come afterwards for dessert. But you can bring them to our house. Yeah. <laughs> See? Well, our house is just open. Well, right. we don't have families. So that's, that's our mindset, our too. Mindset exactly, too. right? And so that pains me. So somebody told you you could they could you couldn't bring your friend? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? My friend's 78 years old. Mm-hmm. And somebody said his that fam- you couldn't his bring His family your said he could. His family. Said he couldn't come. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Your family said... You couldn't bring your friend. Yeah, but I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. It's no, just I know. I mean, that's, that's why your heart. Right, but, but that's, that's why my right. So that's why my heart was closed. Yeah. And my heart's usually not closed. And so okay. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. you know, so so that's so that's that, right? And so then I worked through that and I made peace with it because you know you, we're not always going to agree with our families. It's an impossibility, and it's and it's a rearing of the individual parents that form the new version of that that's either gonna be more open or more closed. And there's a lot of pain too, you know? So I don't know if they feel like if they let me bring somebody, then my mom can start coming too because my dad remarried. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what's in the minds, yeah. right? Yeah. But I know the minds are not necessarily open in the same context that we view family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're good people. Yeah. You know what I mean? They got good hearts. I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm just saying that for me personally, that pains my heart. Yeah. You know? So we have to call an audible and make our own play, <coughs> have two football games, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's just the way we roll. Yeah. So, you know, I'm pulling in Bridgewater and Breeze on that number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. Acceptance. Yeah, acceptance, that's right, right? And so they have to accept that that's what I'm choosing to do as much as I have to accept that that's what they're choosing not to do, you know? And that's life. And that's, that, that is a mild version of, it ain't all peachy cream. Right? <laughs> that's right? it, that's right? it. Yeah, like I'm the kind of guy that if I'm standing in a circle of people and some people show up, unless it is really weird and creepy and you don't want them there to begin with because you could feel their energy, I'm going to make a little space to let them in the circle. You know what I mean? They're not going to ask, maybe. They don't feel comfortable. But, you know, you just kind of move. You don't even have to invite them. You just move. Give them space, you know? And I think if more people did that sort of thing, we'd all be in a better way. 
And I think that's what the world is trying to find their belonging in general. So I'm going to give you one last nugget before we close it up. Okay? Just like the universal hug stuff. This nugget is this. Every person in this room has had their heart broke from something or someone. Anybody doesn't have their heart broke, raise your hand. Okay, everybody's heart's broken. Great. So everyone's got their own little mosaic. All right? When you have your heart broken and you're struggling on where to go, you can't heal or change somebody else. I do a lot of wonderful body work, but I can't heal you. I can open your energy. I can give you the heaven and earth energy. I can give you my chi. I can help your mind. It's you that has to do it. Right? I'm just the catalyst for the process. So your getting over your angers or your heartbreaks is not going to be resolved by being angry at the person. So the flip side of the coin is if every time you arrive at that state where you know you're being internally punished, like holding a hot coal in your hand, you chose to say a prayer, give a good thought, send good wishes, or send them loving energy, now your mind goes to, wait a second, they just ruined my life. Why the heck am I going to do that for them, right? Now, what you do for other people, which is why being of service is so valuable, you do to you internally. So this is a process of healing yourself through expressing to the hurt that happened to the other person that did it, those good vibrations, so to speak. So somebody hurt me, I'm gonna send that person loving energy. What I'm doing is I'm providing myself loving energy. Because I'm either a fountain of dark tar that's keeping me from moving and is sticky and nobody wants to be around me because that's the energy I'm projecting, or I'm going to be rose water flowing everywhere that smells nice and is enjoyable and people want to come bathe in it. Be around me. You really only have those two choices. There's love and there's fear. And the adjectives are many. The internal actions and mental state will project one or the other. No matter what the scenario, no matter what the context, no matter if it's a home or work, in public, at school, in your religion, and whatever, that fundamentally is a guiding light for you to understand of your mind's ability to either project good that attracts good or to reduce and hold everything in that repels. Dealing with death dealing with divorce, a move, a breakup, loss of a loved one, anything like that. A death could be changing your job, you know? All of us in the same human condition. So to everybody out there, may you be a rose water fountain. Thank you all very much. Until the next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. I hope there were some shared experiences that can help you on your journey. As always, please feel free to reach out and ask any questions or share your desires for future topics to be explored. You can reach us at Matthew with two T's, A-N-C-I-R-A dot com. Blessings to you all. <laughs>